Welcome to Transformation. I'm Don Wick from the Red River Farm Network, your host for this radio and podcast series. Transformation is made possible thanks to a grant from CHS Community Giving. Our appreciation goes out to your local CHS cooperative and CHS family giving. Transformation itself began uh, this past year, last year, 2019, as a partnership between the Red River Farm Network, the Minnesota Department of Agriculture, and numerous stakeholders throughout our region. In this update, we're visiting with Marty Reich, who ranches at Zap, North Dakota. It was just over seven years ago, November 2012, when Marty, her husband Jack, and son Vander were involved in a traffic accident while coming home from the Mayo Clinic, where Vander was being treated for a cancerous brain tumor. Jack, of course, very well known in the agricultural world, uh, Angus Breeder, president of the North Dakota Stockmen's Association, active in the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Jack and Vander both were killed in this accident. Marty was injured. Marty, uh, First of all, thanks for being with us. What what can you tell us about the accident? We were headed home. Um, my oldest son, it was just Jack, my oldest son. My other two kids were here at home with family. Um, we had been at Mayo. Um, Vander had been diagnosed with a medulloblastoma. It was cancerous. So he, um, we found out about his tumor on the 22nd of October. October 24th, he went... He, he went in for surgery, um, and by all accounts, the surgery was successful. You know, we did have some, some, um, oh, some stressful situations as far as you know, just in and out. Um, what was going on with him during his recovery time, and then um, he got cleared. That was November fifth. So he had one evening that we got to stay together in the hotel room um, until. November 6th, he had some remaining doctor's appointments to get cleared because we were going to come home and he was going to rest up and regain some strength and recover here at home until he had to go back um, after Thanksgiving, like the day after Thanksgiving, and then he was going to start intensive rounds of radiation and chemotherapy. So we, um, it was around 6, I think 6.15 in the evening. We were able to leave Rochester and... Um, Jack was driving. He was all, um, he was excited to head home, and they were doing the election. It was voting day, and I know there was a big measure measure on the ballot for North Dakota, and he was going to be actively in those phone calls with um, with the Stockman's Association. And we put Vander in the front seat, um, considering where his incision was from his surgery. We felt that that would be the best place for him because the, the front seat fully reclined. We were in a Suburban and I sat right behind Jack. We got 20 miles outside of town, and um, I had sent a, uh, a text message at 6.15, and then I realized I had forgot to send a few other people the same text, so I, I forwarded that, that on at 6.18. Our accident was at 6.30. I must have been asleep. And so I have no... Um, recollection of the accident itself. They didn't think that there were any survivors when the first responders came upon the scene. What had happened was there were there was another man coming the opposite direction, and he crossed over the center line and hit his head on. 
or Jack was decreasing and, you know, he was um, slowing up because the, there was like a speed limit change and the other guy was accelerating when he came across the center line and hit us from what they pulled from the black box on our vehicle that Jack did his best to kind of swerve. So the, the, brunt, of the, the brunt of the force hit on his side head-on, but more so the driver's side. And then, you know, the the first responders came. It took them quite a while from what I was told, and then the the, um, paperwork that they did took them like 45 minutes to cut me out, and they um, lifelined me back to Mayo, and that was only like 20 miles from where the accident was. They didn't think that I had enough time through ambulance, so they air-flighted me. those days, I honestly, I don't remember anything. My mom really pushed for me to be home for um, Jack and Vander's funeral because my mom knew me and knew that I would not be able to handle that if I wasn't involved in it at some point. So she really pushed for them. So a week, I was at Mayo, I think a week or just under a week, and I had friends that had to, um, they transported me. They had to have their vehicle tested and assimilator um and then they you know they had strict instructions of what they had to do you know as far as making sure that I got safely back to North Dakota and then from there I was in the hospital at um in Bismarck I was there a few days and then I was able to come home so I was home for the funeral and the funeral was probably eight days after um eight days after the accident in North Dakota they um they don't like to wait that long, so I, they really pushed it back for me. It, it, obviously, so much stress with with Vander, you know, going through his treatment and those kind of things, and and then uh, this accident, the the grief had to be pretty overwhelming. I I would guess you'd just be numb at that point. Oh, yeah, by all by all accounts, um, I was emotionally exhausted from his cancer, learning he had cancer, and his surgery, and then we were just so excited to come home and see our other two kids. Um, Bander was really excited to see his brother and his sister. Jack was, you know, because we had in, left the ranch in the hands of um, Jack's dad and his brother and our neighbors, you know, God bless them. They pooled together and they took care of things for us. And we were able to, because, uh, you know, in the fall of the year, that's right when we were, um, you know, preconditioning and getting ready to to wean and and all of all of that and then with the the bulls that you know you have to weigh and stuff like that just to start your performance testing but so yeah he was he was happy to come home and uh, we were going to make a plan as far as moving forward with Vander's treatment because Mayo wanted to do his radiation they said later on when they they started to do the chemo that we could go to Bismarck for that but as far as the radiation portion of that we were going to have to be um, in Mayo for Vander's treatment. It was going to be approximately, he was looking at a minimum of nine months, and his radiation was going to be very extensive. It was going to be from the top of his head to the base of his spine. So, you know, it was overwhelming, The you know, just emotionally drained. And then, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what end was up, really, right afterwards. I was aware, but I can't say that I was fully aware because I had so many injuries. I, I, could, I was in a wheelchair, you know, those first few weeks. You had to have a, a, a support system, really, to, to help you move forward 
Oh, my gosh, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to do it without the support system. My mom and dad were here. Um, friends, neighbors, um, my father-in-law, the, just we were taken care of. My kids, um, I had a three-year-old here at home and a six-year-old. My daughter was six and my little boy was three. So my mom basically, she took care of them and took care of me. And my dad was at the ranch helping my brother-in-law and my father-in-law. And um, whatever he needed, he took care of all of my chores here, you know, because we live off of the ranch. We live four and a half miles from the ranch. So we always had that commute because my father-in-law, my father-in-law, he he lived on the ranch. So um, my dad would take care of, you know, everything that we had up here, and then he would go down there and he'd spend his days doing chores and and um, just, you know. So yeah, I had I had a huge support system. So what kind of what kind of injuries did you have, Marty? What what was the recovery? Um, I had I broke my neck. Um, I broke my leg. I had a punctured lung. Um, one was punctured and collapsed. I had internal bleeding. It was it was extensive what I had. There's many other things, but those were the main items there that I had going on. Obviously, you're you're going through recovery. You've got that emotional loss, but there's also a business to run. Tell me, how do you move forward on that front? At first, my brother-in-law stepped in. He did, you know, he he kept the calves alive. I healed remarkably fast. So right after into December, those those early weeks there, it was just basically getting myself healed up, and they were just keeping the calves alive. You know, we had them; they were weaned, um, and they were just doing the best they could just to keep everything alive. And then, um, like I said, we had neighbors. You know, we have. Truthfully, the, the best neighbors in the whole world are right here in Mercer County. They came, everybody pulled together, and Joe had always worked uh, alongside Jack, so he had a good understanding as what was needed to be done. Um, so they always, you know, Jack was definitely the lead, and he just kind of said, well, we're going to do this, 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 and this is what the calves, but, but Joe had a good understanding because he'd, he'd worked alongside his brother for, for years. You know, he always helped us out that way. So Joe just um, kept everything fed up until I was back on my, well, so to speak, my feet. And then I just, I knew what we had to do. You know, physically I wasn't capable of doing a whole lot um, right afterwards. I was just recovering and trying to, trying to, okay, this is what needs to be done. You know, and remembering all of that. So it was stressful. It really was. It had to be. And then... Yeah, it's it's even hard to recall all of the emotional part of it, you know, because I, the grieving process for me was delayed because I was injured so badly. You know, everybody else was like months ahead of me in the realization, you know, I I couldn't even truthfully mourn them. I was just so badly hurt. How did you make the decision to keep on with the ranch and, and continuing uh, uh, the operation as you have? Um, you know, I I love the cows, and as far as changing it, I knew I knew I I didn't want to make a life changing decision, another life changing decision at that moment. You know, I had had enough change, 
So I was going to like, you know, I, I made myself a vow and I talked to my kids about it because I have a, an elementary education degree. And I was like, okay, so do you want to keep doing what we're doing? And now I'm, I'm visiting with a six-year-old and a three-year-old. I said, do you want to keep doing what we're doing or, you know, <clears throat> should we do something different? And they said, Mom, we really, we really love the ranch. I said, well, me too. And I said, okay, well, we'll, we'll make this work. And, and my brother-in-law, he was on board with whatever. He even told me, Marty, he goes, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I said, okay, I said, I want to, I want to keep things the same if we can. And like I had said, you know, there was just so much change that I was like, I, I didn't need any more. And the, the cows, I love the cows. I love the ranch, love the way of life. I think it's a great way to, you know, that we were raising our kids. And I wanted to continue that. And then it was, you know, that's what Jack and I started to do. His dad had lived on the ranch for many years. They they moved on to that place. And then when Jack and I became partners with his dad and then we started the Angus operation, it was like, well, I don't want to give up all that because that was, you know, my dream as well. You know, Jack truthfully made all the breeding decisions um, in the direction that we were going to go. He was definitely the lead on that. He always let me have my buy-in uh, as far as, Marty, what do you think? The funny thing is, is growing up, I didn't have a background in cattle. New horses, my mom and dad raised horses, and, but we didn't have cattle. So everything, my exposure, everything I, I knew came from Jack and just being on the ranch. So I was just like, well, if, if I see that I'm going to keep doing this until um, if I see the cows are going backwards, I will have a dispersal because I, I didn't want that to happen. You know, I didn't want to take everything that we had built and kept going and, you know, the legacy, you know, basically, and I didn't want to wreck that. So I was like, if I see that happening, then I'll have a dispersal and we'll just do something different at that time. There's got to be a sense of pride being able to, to really keep that legacy going. I wouldn't say pride. Um, that's just who I am. It's like, you know, um, I don't even really think of it in that terms. It was just like, this is just what we're going to do, and I'm going to make it happen one way or another. You know, failure wasn't an option at that point. It was just like, okay, I'm going to keep this going because this is not something else I'm going to lose. But I was very aware that should it go backwards, I wasn't going to allow it to just completely be tanked, you know. I know there's a lot of people who are like, Marty, how did you even do that? And, I'm, and I have a great support system, you know. I was worried about the decisions that I was going to be making. And I remember this, my neighbor, Casey Voigt, and I asked him, I said, you know, I'm just worried I'm going to make the wrong decision. He goes, Marty, he goes, you only have to get 50% of them right. <laughs> and I go, well, I should be able to do that just half of them. And he goes, yep. He goes, the rest, he goes, you just have to get 50% of them right. Good advice. So Absolutely. It, it's been seven years. Has it gotten easier? Does grief change over time? Um, it does. It never goes away. You know, people say that over time it gets better. I, I don't think that's true. I think what happens is that with time passing, you just, you learn to tolerate it. You can't change it, but you learn to tolerate it. When I think of Jack and Vander, I don't end up in a puddle of tears. I do at times, but now it's like great memories, you know, and um, 
just, you know, Jack had words of wisdom all the time. I'd be like, okay, what would Jack do or what would Jack say? The, the grief process, has, that is um, the hardest thing I can say that a person would ever have to go through is trying to move forward after you sustain such a huge loss. It is the hardest thing I've ever done. And it still is hard. You know, faith has been a, a huge aspect of that, too. And thank, thank God I have that. If someone else is going through a, a, a tragedy or a big loss, what, what should they keep in mind? What, what advice would you have? Um, you know what? Be, be aware um, and don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, that's, you know, ranchers and farmers, we're, we're proud people. But the, the key there is always don't be afraid to ask for help. And then if you need it, go talk to somebody, somebody that you trust, somebody that's going to give you sound advice or help you work through a problem. I have gotten counseling. My kids went through counseling, and it was the single best thing I ever did. It truthfully was. It made a huge difference in my kids' life and in mine. So, yeah, don't, don't uh, think that you don't need help. I mean, it's, it's okay to go visit with somebody that can, can help you move forward. Not move on, you just move forward. Our thanks to Marty Reich. Farm stress certainly can be seen in many ways. It may be financial stress or dealing with crop losses. Marty has her own story, and we certainly appreciate her sharing it. As always, we'd like to remind you that help is available if you're dealing with a stressful situation, you can contact the Minnesota Farm and Rural Helpline. It's free and confidential. It is available 24-7. All calls are answered by trained volunteers and staff. The helpline number is 833-600-2670. You can also visit minnesotafarmstress.com. We also have a variety of resources available on the Red River Farm Network website, rrfn.com forward slash transformation. This project funded by CHS Community Giving, Transformation, a partnership between the Red River Farm Network and the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Our thanks to the numerous stakeholders, including the Minnesota Farmers Union, North Dakota Soybean Council, North Dakota Wheat Commission, and North Dakota Farmers Union for making this possible. Until next time, I'm Don Wick.